Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Industry Focus. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to get matched with quality candidates to make the most sense for your role. Post a job today at linkedin.com slash fool and get $50 off your first job post. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, May 16th, and we're discussing A.O. Smith. I'm your host, Nick Seipel, and today I'm joined by Motley Fool analyst John Rotanti via Skype. How you doing, John? I'm great, Nick. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's great having you on once again. You know, A few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago, I had you on. We talked about Graco, another great growing industrial company that's been around for a long time. This week, we're talking about A.O. Smith. Uh, you know, Graco, we're talking about paints and sprayers. We're also in kind of the liquids, fluid space here with A.O. Smith, talking about water heaters. Uh, just you know, a high-level, 10,000-foot view for our listeners who may not be familiar with this company. Can you just give a brief overview of what A.O. Smith does and you know, how, what its business, how it's grown over time? Sure. Uh, A.O. Smith was founded in 1874, so it's like 145 years old. It's based out of uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So it's a global water technology business, and their strategy is to uh, be green, uh, meaning energy efficient and environmentally friendly, and to be smart, meaning IoT ready, uh, Internet of Things ready. Um, They are the world's largest maker of water heaters and boilers. They also have a water, a global water treatment uh, business and then a small air purification business in China. Right. And so, th- that traditional part of the business has been in the water heaters. They've recently moved into the area uh, of water treatment. Um, and they've seen some growth opportunities there. Uh, and the company is more two thirds of the businesses in North America, and a third of that is overseas. I want to talk first about kind of the North American part of the business. When you look at you know the market share they have and the concentration of, of this market uh, for water heaters, it, you know it really has a lot of characteristics that we like to see. So if you look at the residential water heater market in the U.S., uh, A.O. Smith has forty percent of that market, and the top three players have over ninety percent. So you really see a concentration of that market. And we were talking about before the show how this creates opportunities for businesses to raise prices over time. And really, just steadily grow. Can you talk a little bit about how AO Smith has played in that market over time and the opportunities it has there as a business? Sure. Yeah. Great question. So, um, as you said, AO Smith um, operates in an oligopoly in North America. So, it's the largest market share. It has the largest market share in commercial water heaters, which is about they have about fifty percent market share, and then in residential water heaters, they have forty percent market share, roughly speaking. Uh, Ream and Bradford White are the other two players that have significant market share. Um, water heaters are an interesting business because they last 14 or 15 years, and they are a non-discretionary item, meaning that when a water heater breaks, people replace it almost immediately. And so, on the residential side, that's that takes the shape of emergency replacement. So, basically, if you own a home, when your water heater breaks, you get it replaced as soon as you possibly can, and you want a good water heater, um, and and you're getting it replaced really regardless of economic conditions, because water heater is so important to um, household hygiene and comfort. On the um, commercial side of things, where they have 50% market share, this really takes the form of proactive replacement. So, if you're a a hospital or a restaurant or a school or an apartment building, anything like that, you're really trying to replace these water heaters proactively before something breaks. Because if it breaks while you have customers or patients, 
in the building, that's a big problem. And so, like I said, these things last 14 or 15 years. And so customers are willing to pay for a good, high quality, reliable product that's going to last them 14 or 15 years. And so quickly to the pricing power, traditionally in North American industry, it's an oligopoly, as we discussed. Pricing among the top three players has been very rational, and they don't implement annual price increases if you go back over a long period of history. Um, rather, they implement price increases to offset things like um, uh, higher steel prices, which is their largest input. However, um, A.O. Smith has implemented uh, price increases in 2015, 2016, 2017, and 2018. The 2015 price increase was 20%. Um, the um, U.S. regulators implemented some um, new policies around energy efficiency and new regulations around energy efficiency, and that required a lot of R&D and investment and cost of goods sold investment on the part of A.O. Smith. So they tried to, to capture that investment by a 20% price increase in 2015, and then in, two, in 2016 and 2017, price increases were about 4 to 5%, and then once again in 2018, they increased prices 10% to offset higher steel prices. So this is a business that has real pricing power when it has to, um, like I said, because this is a product that lasts 14 or 15 years and, and consumers and businesses are willing to pay for that. Yeah, I tell you, you know, if you've ever been to a hotel and the hot water wasn't on, you have an idea of what the demand is like for these products. You don't realize how bad you need it or how bad you want it until you don't have it. And when you have a market like that where the demand is really, really strong, it's not going to go anywhere. And the market is concentrated in a way that really allows uh, the, the people who operate in it to extract, uh, you know, business value over time. Uh, really, an attractive market. They've been able to do that in the U.S., but as well, they've expanded their business into China, and that now represents a meaningful part of their business overseas. Uh, they've been doing business in China for 20 years. Sales there cra- crossed a billion dollars in 2017. As you look at that side of the business and how they've been able to grow their presence in China when it comes to water heaters as well as you know water treatment they've been moved into recently, how significant is that for the business and you know how have they grown that over time? Good question. So, uh, A.O. Smith's exposure to China was one of was one of the things that that originally attracted me to to the business. So like you said, they've been building their scale and their distribution in China for 20 years. Um, they are a market share, one of the top uh, market share leaders in China as well. I believe they have about 25% market share of water heaters uh, in China. And um, the, the thing that I like about the Chinese uh, market is that um, depending on, on what source you use, there are roughly 300 million to 400 million um, middle-class people in China today. And there are estimates that that number will grow to 700 million over the next couple of years. So we're looking at a double um, in the middle class in China over the next couple of years. Um, another thing, I recently read a report by Diamond Hill uh, Investment Management, a highly respected research firm, they weren't writing about A.O. Smith, but they were writing about China, and they said that uh, the Chinese government plans to move uh, 225 million people, I believe, from rural areas to urban areas over the next uh, oh, through 2026. So the Chinese government plans to relocate 225 million people to urban areas uh, by tw- 2026, 
And I thought, um, well, these 225 million transplants are going to be, um, you know, getting getting apartments or condos and buildings that that demand water heaters and boilers. So that was my uh, early investment thesis in China. And then just the fact that um, not all Western brands translate well into China. A lot of large leading um, U.S.-based companies have had difficulty growing in China. Um, A.O. Smith stood out to me in my early research as one of the companies that has really been able to grow in China profitably. And so that was something else that attracted me to it. Yeah, I mean, you look at a chart of them in one of their one of their investor presentations. They have a chart of where they chart their market share in China relative to their competitors, and they are just moving straight up and to the right, where everyone else is stagnated. Has really, you know, been able to enter that country in a meaningful way and grow to a significant part of their business over time. They're also moving into India as well. Uh, you know, they had 30% year-over-year growth last year, expecting that to swing to profitability. Uh, part of the business swing to profitability in 2020. As you look to that opportunity, are you seeing a similar playbook to what we, we saw line up in China as it comes to people entering the middle class and demand for these types of? I guess you could consider them luxury items for some. For here in the U.S., you might take them for granted, but I mean, access to hot water is a huge uh, increase in quality of life for a lot of people all over the world. Is that story playing out in India as well? It looks like it is. They haven't been in India as long as they've been in China. Um, so, um, but I, I think they're approaching it in a similar way. They're trying to build the right distribution, the right scale. Um, and like you said, um, they think that, that their uh, business in, in India will reach profitability um, in 2020. So that could give a boost to margins. Um, India has a similar growth dynamics to China. It's a, it's a fast-growing um Economy, so I, I think there's some some interesting stuff there as well. Um, at some point in this in this um, podcast, we'll probably talk about water treatment um, and water purification, which um, I think is an underappreciated part of the A.O. Smith story, um, based on my research this far thus far. And here's why: um, as we said, a hot water heater um, in the U.S. or let's say in a Western in a Western um, country is is a non-discretionary purchase. You really need one um, for hygiene and comfort purposes. I don't think that water purification and water treatment is is thought of as a non-discretionary purchase as as water heaters are or boilers are. And so I don't think the market appreciates um, the their their new ventures into the water treatment side of of the business. But um, in China and India, where pollution, uh, water pollution or air pollution is, is a much bigger concern, water treatment uh, is considered non-discretionary already by those that can afford it. Um, and so already there, it's a must. If you can afford it, you really need to pay for that clean water. In the U.S., there's been a, a change of sentiment um, with regard to health and safety, um, with regard to water. It started with the, the crisis in Flint, Michigan. Um, and since then, there's been several reports on poor quality of water in the U.S. Uh, I'm just going to uh, read you a couple of titles from uh, news media that I pulled out this morning. A Business Insider article from April 30th 
2019 is titled California's Contaminated Drinking Water Could Lead to Nearly 15,500 Cancer Cases. A Bloomberg article from November 6, 2018 is titled The Cancer-Linked Chemicals in America's Tap Water. On November 27, 2018, CNN produced a video titled Dirty Water, Danger from the Tap. Um, this goes on and on. There's an article in the, in the Chicago Tribune. So I do think that within the next five, ten years, in the U.S., water purification and water treatment will be considered non-discretionary. Um, it will be uh, – think of it maybe like an alarm system on your house. Um, it just gives you that peace of mind. It gives you that – your family that peace of mind. Also, there's recurring revenue associated with water treatment because of the replacement filters. So there are some good dynamics on the water treatment side as well. Yeah, and and they've, as you mentioned, they've only been in that business for about 10 years. They moved in there in 2009 with an acquisition, and it's really a 37% cumulative, I mean, compound annual growth rate over that period of, of time. When you see, again, yeah, people, uh, until Flint, I don't think a lot of people in this country were as cognizant about. You know the importance of water quality and what goes into maintaining though that that type of infrastructure, um, and so so you see people becoming aware of that and, and just the growth that the business has had. It definitely is an interesting opportunity moving forward. You put all all that together, and I mean, uh, this is a company that's up you know nine times over the last ten years, a ninety percent gain over the last five years. It's a dividend aristocrat. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like about this business from a financial point of view. Uh, anything last thing you want to mention about AO Smith? We'll talk about some risks on the back half of the show. Yeah, so if, if you look at, like you said, the company's up um, nine or ten times in ten years. Uh, if it, this all goes back to 2010, and maybe I should have mentioned this earlier um, in in the podcast. So in 2010, AO Smith went through a uh, business model transformation, a large transformation. It sold off its lower margin electrical motor business and it acquired Lockenvar, which is the leading boiler brand in the US. And Lockenvar is higher margin and faster growing. So there was a big margin mix shift. They sold off a lower margin business that was slow growing and they acquired a much higher margin, faster growing business. That happened in 2010. Something, a couple of other things happened. Um, I mentioned in 2015, they increased prices 20%, and then they followed that with in, uh, price increases in 2016, 17, and 2018. So we have a business model transformation towards high, faster growing, higher margin um, products. We have uh, significant price increases over a four or five year period. And then finally, um, A.O. Smith generated very good revenue growth since 2010. And when you drive revenue growth over a fixed asset base, over a manufacturing asset base, you can achieve operating leverage and an increase in operating margins. So those three things, the business model transformation, the price increases, and the operating leverage led to a 1,000 basis point increase in gross margins, operating margins, and returns on invested capital between 2010 and 2018. So that's a 10 percentage point increase in gross margins, operating margins, and ROIC over the past eight years. So this is um, a, a business where it appeared that finan uh, the fundamentals and the financials were really on an upswing. Yeah. So obviously, that was a great capital allocation decision <laughs> to reposition where the, where the, what the business is in. Um, all right. On the back half of the show, We'll talk about uh, some of the risks that are facing the business, including a short report that came out just this morning. But first, 
When it's time to make a hire for your small business, naturally, you want to find the best person for the job. Odds are that person is on LinkedIn. We use LinkedIn at The Motley Fool to reach out to business writers who can bolster our coverage on Fool.com. Without LinkedIn, some of our best writers and employees may never have been able to connect with the company. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to get matched with quality candidates who make the most sense for your role, taking into account both hard and soft skills. People come to LinkedIn every day to learn and advance their career. So LinkedIn understands what they're interested in and looking for. Which means when you use LinkedIn Jobs to hire someone, your matches are based on so much more than just a resume. Your LinkedIn Jobs matches are based on skills and background, sure, but also interests, activities, and passions. Post a job today at linkedin.com slash fool and get $50 off your first job post. That's linkedin.com slash fool. Terms and conditions apply. All right, John. So, uh, off the bat, as we, as we dive into kind of some of the risks surrounding A.O. Smith, uh, I think we have to mention the short report that came out this morning. Um, you know, we've only had a few minutes to look at it before before we got on here to record the podcast. But you know, from from what you saw on there and talking before the show, you said some some red flags from that short report lined up with some things you'd seen about the business. So, can you kind of give us an overview of, of what we're seeing from that report and kind of what you'd seen in your own independent, you know, looking at the company? Uh, yeah, so um, like you said, this is an exciting time to be talking about A.O. Smith because a short report came out uh, this morning. I had about two minutes to quick, to quickly review it. Um, basically, the report talks about a um, distributor relationship, uh, a relationship with a with a distributor that A.O. Smith has in China. It it mentions some uh, channel stuffing. Uh, and it mentions that uh, a lot of A.O. Smith's cash is trapped uh, overseas in China and that it won't easily be able to access that cash, amongst other things. Um, honestly, I was um, completely familiar with A.O. Smith's go-to-market strategy in China by using distributors. Um, I was completely unfamiliar with this particular distributor relationship. Um, sounds like the the authors of the short report did a lot of on the ground channel checks and scuttlebutt in China, uh, which uh, I have not done yet. Uh, that being said, um, I own AO Smith. I've owned it for a while, but I have been monitoring some of my own red flags and my own research. Um, lately. Some of those are its its revenue growth, its organic revenue growth has been slowing. So manage one thing I like about the AO Smith management team is they provide long-term guidance for revenue growth. A lot of companies, or, or I should say very, very few companies provide long-term guidance. Um, they either provide quarterly or yearly guidance. AO Smith um, takes a long-term view, which I like, and they recently lowered their long-term organic revenue guidance from eight percent to seven percent. That's their long-term guidance. But then you see that that revenue in the first quarter of 2019 fell five percent because its revenue in China fell 18 percent, and China accounts for 34. 34% of company-wide revenue, so it weighed down the total. Um, so just an overall slowing in revenue growth is a red flag that I pay close attention to. The second one, um, over the last five years or so, 
free cash flow has been growing slower than gap earnings. Um, the free cash flow conversion ratio or free cash flow divided by net income is one measure of earnings quality. I have done some earnings quality look on the business. It appears to me that the reason free cash flow at A.O. Smith has been growing slower than net income is because of um, working capital investments in China to grow its business in China and because of it, what looks like deferred tax assets, which are um, taxes that you pay today, but you will not owe down the road. And since it's a cash outflow today, that's impacting free cash flow. Um, it seems okay to me that free cash flow is not growing as, as, as fast as net income, or it seems explainable to me, but it's not something I like to see. I like to see free cash flow growing in line or even faster than net income. So that's the second thing. Falling revenue growth is number one. Free cash flow not growing as fast as net income is number two. And then thirdly, um, and, and perhaps most concerning, is their day sale, day's sales outstanding has been rising. Um, when DSOs rise, it can sometimes, not all the time, sometimes be an indicator that um, demand for the products is slowing and that the company has to um, provide more favorable terms to sell the product. I'm not saying that's what's going on here. I am saying that these three red flags um, have caught my attention. So when we look at AO Smith today and how we need to evaluate this company, obviously sales are slowing in China. Is this a Chinese economic story? Is that what's driving the success or failure of AO Smith today, or are there other things at work driving driving you know the way the business's revenue revenue and free cash flow growth trends are moving? Um, so I'm gonna I'm it's gonna take me weeks or months to really get to the bottom of what's behind this this short report that came out today. Because like I said, I'm not on the ground in China, and so I'm going to have to re um, rely on a lot of third-party analysis um, to really find out what's going on. Um, however, to answer your question, I do think it's largely a China um, problem. So a couple of things are going on in China. One is um, the Chinese economy as a whole is slowing. I think its 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 growth is still about twice the U.S. I think it's growing around six percent their GDP, but that's the slowest rate in a very long time. Two, the housing market in China is slowing significantly, and as you know, water heaters, water purification products are sold to residential houses. Um, three, FX or um, Currency translation is a big headwind for uh, A.O. Smith since 34% um, of its revenue comes from China and the dollar has been strengthening. So we've got a weakening overall uh, Chinese economy. We have a, re a weakening housing market in China. We have very strong FX headwinds because of the strengthening U.S. dollar and A.O. Smith's very large exposure to China. And last but not least is we have this um, the negotiations um, with China over a new trade agreement. And recently, the rhetoric has been getting more intense. And um, the U.S. recently announced that it's going to do a second round of higher tariffs on, on China. 
Um, so this is not good for A.O. Smith, at least in the short term, um, because um, it could decrease demand for A.O. Smith products. In the very least, Chinese consumers may want to um, buy local domestic Chinese products out of a sense of national pride during the, the, um, the time these trade talks are going on. So um, there's also a company-specific issue in China, an A.O. AO Smith-specific issue. They had some elevated inventory levels. Um, basically, what I think happened there was the Chinese economy slowed, the housing market in China slowed, and A.O. Smith has always had a premium price point product in China. And I think the Chinese consumer started to trade down to a lower price point product, and A.O. Smith did not have a lower price point product. So they have been quickly trying to um, ramp up research and development and, and to launch a mid-price point product to try to meet consumer demand in China. So they have been playing catch up there a little bit, I would say. So there's some broader economic concerns in China and some company-specific, A.O. Smith-specific concerns in China as well. Sure. Yeah. John, and as we you know look at these concerns, obviously, in the near term, it appears China's economy has been slowing, and you can you see that, as you mentioned, trickling down into parts of A.O. Smith's business. But the long-term trend that we laid out in the first half of the show of more and more people across the world entering the middle class and having demand for these you know high-quality, you know, want to have a hot shower every morning, how... Uh, I guess, at what point would this narrative that we're seeing in China and the slowing economy overwhelm uh, you know, your conviction in this long-term thesis enough to sell the stock? How, do you, how, do we, how should we think about these two sides of you know, the risks of the business as well as these clear long-term drivers and long-term demand for, you know, for the fundamental product that the business sells? How are you weighing that in your head as an analyst you know, right now looking at A.O. Smith? If, if the problems in China are only around a slowing Chinese economy, um, that's not a big concern for me. It's not, a, it's not, it's not an overwhelming concern for me. If, if the problems in China run deeper um, into, some of the pro- into some of the issues discussed in the short report, which, I, like I said, I only had a couple minutes to review before I got on this podcast, um, that would be a deeper concern. If they have um, been, you know, been stuffing the channels or something like that, or if they can't access that cash or whatever it may be, those would be larger concerns for me. The biggest risks um, for me are um, this earn- these earning quality metrics that I discussed. Earnings quality is often a, a sign that there's deteriorating fundamentals and that um, Demand for the company's products are maybe not as strong as past financial results may suggest. So, like I said, I've identified in my own research slowing organic revenue growth, slow uh, free cash flow conversion that is not at 100%, rising DSOs, which can often be a sign of falling demand. Um, so, um, I need to dig deeper into these earnings quality metrics. That would be a big risk for me. Another risk for me um, is that, so A.O. Smith is this 145-year-old business, and they have a long, long 
century-long tradition of um, consistently investing in research and development and capital expenditures to drive long-term growth. If you look back over five or 10 years, they spend pretty much consistently 3% of their revenue every year on R&D and 3% of their revenue every year on CapEx. Um, But A.O. Smith missed the tankless water heater innovation, if you will. So tankless water heaters are similar to are, are, are different to tank water heaters in that they don't have a tank. So they require um, much less water and are much more environmentally friendly. And because they don't have a tank, they're smaller, they can hang on the wall. Um, the other ben- they, they run on gas or electricity just like a tank water heater does. Um, but the other benefit is that you can have an endless supply of hot water. Um, so the hot water is, um, it doesn't run out when the water in the tank runs out. Uh, so over, although tankless water heaters are a little more expensive on the front end, um, when you factor in energy savings and less maintenance and upkeep over time, um, the price is, is, is favorable, in my opinion. And they're more energy efficient. So uh, A.O. Smith, the leading water heater company in the world, was late to the tankless market. And so that concerns me a little, that maybe they, um, their innovation engine is slowing a bit, or maybe not. Maybe um, you, you know, they are catching up. They have formed a partnership with a Japanese manufacturer, and they have, I think, exclusive rights to sell um, that Japanese product in North America, or at least in the US and Canada. Um, and I think they have um, 10 to 12 percent market share market share in tankless now. So they're they're gaining. Um, the tankless market is interesting. It's it's currently only about eight percent of the total addressable market in the North America, but it's growing faster than the tank market. So I'm worried they miss that that product. They they're there now, but they were late to the game. I'm worried about some of these earnings quality metrics that I do need to dive de- uh, deeper into. And then lastly, just a broader economic slowdown in the U.S. would hurt them. We see what an economic slowdown in China is doing to their sales. Sales fell 18% in China in the first quarter. A broader economic slowdown in the U.S. would obviously hurt them in the short term. I think their sales fell 37 or 38% um, in 2008 or 2009 during the depths of the global financial crisis. To be fair, that was the worst financial crisis in almost 100 years. And to be fair, A.O. Smith grew its net income, its free cash flow, and increased its dividend in that year. But sales did fall 38% in the depths of the crisis. Yeah. So, I guess, uh, take away, uh, wait and see how how things shake out. We'll look into this short report, maybe have you back on uh, as we get more details of what's going on with A.O. Smith's business. Again, I I think the long-term drivers of of demand for, for the product they sell are going to be there, but it's a question mark again. You know, are they going to be able to grow their market share in tankless? Is the economy going to cooperate? And uh, you know, we'll just have to see how things go. And John, I'll have you back on again soon uh, as we know more. Nick, I, I uh, appreciate it. I look forward to, to coming on again to discuss Aosmith or or another industrial company. Yeah, you had mentioned uh, mentioned have, maybe having Trex on. I know that's a company a lot of our our uh, listeners are probably familiar with. So if that's something y'all want us to talk about on the show, listeners, why don't you tweet us at MF Industry Focus, and we'll see if we can have John back on and uh, talk about it soon. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Thank you, Nick. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations 
for or against the stocks discussed. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass. For John Rotanti, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening and full on. Thank you.